It's time for Bring It Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Liveax Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Bring It Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a ton to cover as we're heading into fall now. A lot of stuff going on. We'll talk fall fishing with Nate Blazing. We'll also talk uh, about the history of Leech Lake with Ray Gildow and some bear hunting with Matt Brewer, as well as what's going on out on Mille Lacs with Steve Pontiac. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And to start things off, uh, the Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a new rig, fishing reports, and the perfect dock arrangement for your lakeside living. The gateway to the Cuyuna Lakes area, Oars and Mine on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we kick the show off with our local report. Nate Blazing with S&W Guide Service joins us and uh, lots of stuff to talk to Nate about. And uh, I guess we'll start off talking walleyes, Nate. Uh, here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, talking to uh, other anglers, it's kind of like, uh, how do I sum this up? <laughs> if, if, if that's a word, I agree <laughs> with it. But um, same kind of stuff, Brian. It's, it's been inconsistent. We are getting some fish, but you've got to work pretty darn hard for them. Um, I'd say the biggest key right now is, again, that dust bite engine to dark. The best reports are all coming from guys that are trolling crankbaits. Um, there's a wet core bite that's happening. That's more in the day. But then you get into the nighttime, and, and you can go either over the top of the weeds or on the edge of the weeds, and that 7 to 14 feet, the guys that are doing that are actually smiling, where the rest of us, like you said, we're doing like, ee, what's going on here? But, um, <laughs> you know, I guess we started seeing things get a little weird here when we had that warm-up a week and a half ago. The water temps were... Down in the lower 70s, they jumped up to the upper 70s, so you're looking at about a 10-degree difference water change. And it was amazing how fast at least the fish that we were fishing um, reacted to that. They were starting to pull away from the weed line. And within a day, they were right back in the weeds, tight, tight, tight. You could see them, and for whatever reason, they're just a little more frustrating to get to bite. But, um, you know, we do a lot of live bait rigging with clients, and that's been a tough goal. Um, jigging wraps has actually been quite a bit better, and then the trolling thing. So there are several options. The slip bobber stuff was working too, but the problem is now trying to find decent-sized leeches is uh, pretty pretty tough to do around here. So that kind of took care of the, the slip bobber bite for the most part for us. Yeah, and the thing is too, I, I and it's not for me, but um, what are you about guys that are fishing at night? Are they having any luck too, or is it kind of the same thing? No, they're, they're doing really good um, to the point I've talked to a couple different folks that we know that they do quite a bit of the night trolling and then they fish during the day too. And, you know, we're scratching our heads because you can go out and just beat your head against the wall during the day and they said they come out at night. And, it, you know, I'm not saying that color doesn't matter or anything like that, but it's it's just happening. You can catch them much, much easier. And yet you go out during the day and it's just a complete opposite. So, you know, part of that probably goes back to the zebra mussels and the water clarity stuff, but I just think the main bite has not happened yet because, again, the fish that we're catching and keeping, the eater-sized ones, they're not real thick and bulked up, so it's like they just haven't been feeding that much. The bigger fish, 
Uh, we had a couple, a 28 and a couple 26, 27s. Those are real thick, healthy fish. The smaller ones, bellies are empty. So I am just praying that that light switch turns on here pretty soon because I think uh, hopefully we'll be in for a really good salt bite and looking forward to that. Yeah, it's kind of the the way I'm kind of looking at it is, uh, and the mindset I'm taking is maybe this is the calm before the storm. Yeah. You know, the last couple of years we kind of had weird falls. And there was a lot of bait fish, so it wasn't the strongest fall bite. It was still a decent one. But this year, there's forage out there and quite a bit of it, but not as much as we've seen the last couple of years. So that's another reason we're hopeful that, you know, once the water temps get where they should be and weather stabilizes a little bit, uh, really hopeful for a strong fall walleye bite around here. So all you can do is hope and keep trying, I guess. Right. And it's not like you're just fish in one lake like gall too nate i mean you've hopped around pelican whitefish uh north long round you've tried them all so i mean it's it's kind of uh, a thing going on across a lot of our our good lakes it is and to that point that you know i've even talked to a couple buddies that fish up on leech jason free uh, you know and the same thing it's just it slowed down so that's more or less tells me it's more of a weather kind of thing and uh, same thing when you talk to several other fishing folks, whether they're on different lakes the same day as you are or what have you, and trying different techniques. And, you know, more or less, it's the same. Some are having more success or it's more spotty here or there. But overall, the general consensus is it's just been pretty tough sledding during the day. And, again, if I if I didn't have to, you know, get up early in the morning, I would be out there in the dark right now, Troll, and that would be my preference, especially with the full moon here this weekend. It should be perfect days for that, so... Better luck with the uh, pike if somebody wants to target them. Yep, the pike are still pretty active. Um, again, we're not seeing as many big fish as we were when it was warmer. Um, now it's just more of a mix. And same thing, you can still get some pitching into the weeds. Right on the weed lines, you get some linear rigging, and there are a few that are out deeper with some of those deeper walleye schools. Um, but uh, again, if you're looking for action, that's what you can do. You can cast for them, spinnerbait, chicken minnow. You can lindy rig for them. You can troll for them. Uh, I think they've got the Northern Zane tournament coming up here September 18th and 19th on Gull. Um, so folks are starting to get ready for that, so you'll probably see some more people out on the lake actually uh, fishing for those bigger pipes. But Northerns have been a lot more active than the walleyes at this point. What about the bass? Bass has been kind of our savior. Um, again, I would say we noticed a downtick when things got warmer for all species, but with that being said, we've had some pretty fun bass trips. Um, you know, gull, we've been getting some, pelican, we've been getting some, but then again, we've been sneaking into some of the smaller lakes just for some catch and release action, getting some really, really nice fish. The odd thing is, same thing, you can get some out in that off-edge weed line in that, you know, 17 to 20-foot range, and then a lot of our bigger fish have actually been coming up in the weeds in that four, five, six feet of water. So uh, multiple techniques, pitching a jig and plastic or a jig and minnow, spinnerbait. So you got some options there, and they, they have seemed to be a little more tentative, um, and you have to be more selective, try, and try different techniques, different lures, and then you find the right one on certain days, and, and it's made a big difference, for at least for the quality side of the bass. The smaller ones don't seem to be as picky, but the bigger ones have been a little more picky on what they want on certain days. And uh, from talking to some anglers, uh, Nate, people that are maybe wanting to go after some crappies, uh, we're not quite there yet, it sounds like. 
Yeah, I, I, I would say that, um, at least in this area. I know, you know we were talking off the air. I, I've got some friends that in this, not, not this area, but near here, they've been actually doing fairly well for copies. I have not personally had a chance to target them because, again, I've been getting my kicked on the walleyes. But um, I think we get those water temps dropping here again another 10 degrees or so, and the walleye should or the crappie should start doing their thing, schooling up a little bit, sliding out in that deeper water. If I were to try right now, again, I'd still be, you know, weed line orientated for the most part, that outside edge of the weeds and some cabbage um, to start. But I think the crappie stuff, you'll start hearing a lot more reports and seeing people fishing those here in the next week to two weeks and should have a little better report for you at that time. Last thing, Nate, before we let you go, uh, a couple of tournaments coming up, including the Walleye Alliance tournament here right around the corner. Yep, so we got that. The Walleye Alliance Fall Classic coming up Sunday, September 27th up on Peloton Lake. Um, again, you can register online at www.walleyelines.com or else they did drop off some hard copy registration forms up at SW Bait Shop. Uh, we're limited to 50 spots, and i got to say the last three, four days, uh, the spots are filling. So if it's something you're interested in, uh, the sooner the better. Also, your entry fee is $200 if you sign up prior to September 15th. If it's after that, it goes up to $250. So that's our incentive to try and get people signed up a little earlier. And then we got the Fishing for Hunger tournament October 3rd on Gull. That's obviously a big one. I talked to uh, Sean Hansen here, I think it was yesterday, and they're up to 93, 94 boats. So they're still, I think they cap it at 110. So there's a little bit of room there. But if folks are interested in that, they should get signed up as well. So if people want more info, uh, check it out on Facebook or uh, just Google it. Yeah, it, it's all over the web. Both those actually just, if you're interested, just type in, you know, Brainerd Walleye Tournaments and both uh, those events should come up or you can go right exactly to their Facebook pages, their web page. So there's multiple ways to find that. And if people want. Um, and then the one thing, that, oh, sorry, the one thing I was going to add there, Brian, is again, at least for the Walleye Lions Tournament, um, the proceeds this year we're likely going to put back in the stocking gull, and we're looking at doing probably right around five to $6,000 uh, in fingerling. And since we were not able to have our spring banquet, which you're a part of and have been gracious enough to help us out in the past, that's going to take up a good portion of our uh, funding source that we've had. So if people are interested in helping support that, um, you know, Look us up, look me up, give me a call if you're interested in trying to get involved with that because we can definitely use a little more support on that. My phone number is 651-592-3857. And as far as those fingerlings are going, where are you getting those from, Nate? There actually, there's I think three or four private um, guys around the state that raise them. And I think, I'm kind of new to this, but from what I've gathered, they, they somewhat work together. Um, they usually get their eggs from the DNR, which again, we've ran into issues because of the COVID stuff this spring with the DNR not being able to do it, but it sounds like they might have some, a little bit of reserves that they have on their own for cases like this. And so, uh, we're in the process of working through that, uh, talked with one of the sellers here the other day, I got to give him a call back and we're in the process of filling out a permit application for the DNR and we have to get approval from that, but uh, we've been working with the DNR on this, and uh, it sounds like it'll hopefully 
work out pretty good. So we're hopeful and we should know here in the next couple of weeks, but that's the plan is to dump a bunch of fingerling and go. And uh, again, if you look at Pelican, we did that the last couple of years and it's really starting to make a difference for the fish numbers up there. So we're hopeful that it'll do the same for golf. Yeah. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. People want more info on you, Nate. How can they get it? Sure. You can look me up on our website, uh, com. Otherwise, again, phone number is 651-592-3857 or Facebook, Nate Blazing, B-L-A-S-I-N-G, or walleyealliance.com. There you go. Lots of ways. There you go, Nate. I appreciate it. Good luck out on the water here in the coming days, and hopefully things will pick up here real soon. I think they will, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, okay? Sounds good, and I'm heading out into the water, and the wind has definitely picked up, so we'll see if the bite picks up with that wind. So We'll see. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And once again, our good friend Ray Gildow joins us with the Nisswa Guides League. And uh, Ray is going to talk about Winnie and Leach this week. And uh, I guess we'll start up on Winnie, uh, Ray. Last couple of weeks, you said things weren't too bad up there. And, you know, talking to Nate earlier in the show, the walleye fishing has been kind of hit and miss here, to say the least, uh, across the Brainerd Lakes area. Up on Winnie, what are you hearing? Yeah, I I, uh, t- I talked with uh, the folks up at High Banks, and um, it's still doing really well. The problem's been wind. They have had four days. They had four days this week where they couldn't put any boats in. They're on the east side of the lake, and they have to put in right into a northwest or a west wind. So when it's really windy, they have to take their boats up to Cutfoot Sioux, which is to the north, and then people can put in uh, Cutfoot Sioux, and if they're courageous enough they can come out through the narrows and go into the big lake uh, <clears throat> uh, Tim said that uh, a couple of the local guides uh, put in at Cutfoot and skimmed along the north shore for people who know Winnie a little bit they know kind of where I'm talking about and they got into the parts of the big lake and uh, the walleye fishing was phenomenal there were two boatloads of people and they had um, they had jigs and minnows no crankbaits, jigs and minnows, and five to eight feet of water. So they did really, really well. Uh, it's just that it was a limited amount of people because a lot of the tourists who are not familiar with the area were just not uh, brave enough to go out and try it. So the report up there is still really good. Uh, it's probably the only lake that I've heard of in the area that where the walleye fishing has been pretty solid. Uh, looking down on Leech Lake, uh, I just wanted to give a little back, background on Leech Lake. Uh, Leech Lake has been near and dear to me for all of my life. I had a grandfather who was a deputy sheriff in Cass County out of Walker, and I can remember driving by Leech Lake when I was a little kid and looking at the lake because I, I was born in Pine River, so I wasn't really born far from there. <clears throat> but the history of that lake is it's really rich, and it's really interesting. Uh, Leech Lake was originally settled by the Sioux Indians, who were driven out of the territory by the Chippewa, or the Ojibwa, in the 1700s. The first Europeans to settle into that area were French fur traders, and the Northwest Company established trading posts on Otter Tail Point and Oak Point in 1785, 
and started an influx of settlers to the area in the 1800s. The Army Corps of Engineers built Federal Dam on the Leech River in 1882, and for people who are familiar with the lake, uh, the Federal Dam is up in Portage Bay, it's up in the northwest corner of the lake, and uh, it's a very, very good area for fishing in the spring and the fall and the summer, where the river comes into the Portage Bay area, uh, and that Federal Dam is a, it's a unique area. Uh, it was originally built to control the river flows at the lumber and flour mills in Minneapolis. And the dam was only the second one built in the federal system, and it also has the longest span in the system at 3,500 feet bank to bank. The dam raised the water level on the lake approximately four feet and made for easier navigation into Walker Bay. This was beneficial for floating logs to the railroad in Walker. The Battle of Sugar Point in 1898 between U.S. federal troops and the residents, the Ojibwa Indians, was the last true Indian battle in the United States. And this is largely ignored in history, Brian, because the Indians won the battle. The big battle began a chain of events that eventually led to government control of national forest and the creation of the Chippewa National Forest. Now, the Chippewa National Forest completely surrounds Leech Lake. <clears throat> there are obviously private owned ownerships, uh, sp- uh, plots there, uh, <clears throat> but... A lot of that Chippewa National Forest is pristine, just the way it was back in the 1800s, except for where they've logged and managed the forest. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal forest. And I would suggest that if anybody gets a chance to go up to uh, Federal Dam, Federal Park, uh, it's a beautiful campground, modern facilities. It's a, it's a fabulous area, it really is. And the town of Walker was founded in 1896 after the railroad came to Leech Lake from Brainerd. Walker then <clears throat> supported a booming logging industry until 1925, which was, it really wasn't all that long ago. Hotels were also built when a railroad came to town and camping facilities and a public launching areas were provided in 1909. The early 1900s saw the beginning of tourism in the area, and the resort and cabins that were built laid the foundation of the tourist industry that still flourishes there today, with many generations of visitors continuing to make Leech Lake an annual destination. The Leech Lake's prominence as a premier vacation destination was highlighted in its hosting of the Minnesota Governor's Opener in 1968 and in 2007. So that's just a little bit of a background of this lake. It's a phenomenal lake. And one thing that I've, I've noticed over the years is that tourists who come to the area are pretty intimidated, for the most part, by these big lakes. If you look at Leech Lake and Winnie and Malax too, uh, when you just come up from, if you come up from Florida or South Carolina and you walk to the banks and you look out there and you think, oh my goodness, how am I going to figure out where to go fish? <clears throat> then I would suggest that when you start fishing in these lakes that you use a guide, not because I'm a guide, but it just saves so much time and it can, can get you to the areas where the fishing can be good. Now I took the opportunity this week to talk a little bit with the fisheries guys out of Walker and uh, to see what's going on fishing-wise on the lake. And um, they don't start their official surveys until about two more weeks, about the middle of September. And that's when they'll go out and start checking to see what the numbers of this year's hatch of walleyes look like, uh, this year's hatch of, uh, of um, a perch. And, and the thing that, uh, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, I know, this summer, Brian. We had a record-setting temperature in central Minnesota. 
It's the hottest summer on record. And we were all concerned, I think, about our big lakes, uh, Winnie, Malax, Leach, losing Cisco populations. And uh, one of the things the guys said up in Walker is there was no kill-off. There was no die-off, which is really amazing. The water temperature got very warm in the 80s, in the middle 80s, and uh, it didn't kill off those Cisco's. So that says, uh, it's a, that's a good thing for us for long term because uh, they are such an important uh, part of the, uh, uh, you know, the makeup of what muskies and walleyes eat specifically, and even perch when they eat the small ones. So that's, uh, that's very encouraging. And the walleye bite uh, for most of the summer was good until the water got really hot around the 4th of July. And that's when it slowed down, which isn't a big surprise. That's when they start seeing large clouds of bait fish, which also grind the bite to a halt. And the muskies were starting to pick up now, just recently, in July. They slowed down when the cold front started coming through every three or four days, and they haven't bounced back yet for the fall. They're seeing some pictures of jumbo perch on social media. It's kind of interesting that the DNR guys look at social media to get a report for the fishing, too, because they haven't been out there with their creel nets yet. And uh, they should start getting through uh, out of those weeds now. Those perch should start moving out. Uh, I was just on the water yesterday. Uh, water temperatures up into the upper 60s now, a big drop in that. And um, that's going to turn on those perch and I think that will start turning on the walleyes, too. And as uh, you said uh, when you talked off-air, uh, the walleye fishing in general in the Brainerd area is really, really tough right now. But with these water temperatures dropping, um, things are going to start happening. So that's just a little bit of a summary of what's going on up to the north of us this week. And uh, the uh, social media is also lighting up with guys catching bears. Uh, there's been some bears uh, shot already. And uh, that acorn harvest is still just phenomenal. Everywhere you go, there's acorns bop, bopping ahead if you're under an oak tree. So <laughs> it's pretty interesting. So uh, one other thing. I talked um, with the Leonhards. Leonhards uh, they're out in South Dakota today. And they said that the uh, walleye, not the walleye, but the uh, pheasant population looks really good in South Dakota. Uh, they came through the summer and the fall in very good shape. So if you're looking to go for a fall hunt, you might want to consider South Dakota. There you go. Well, great information, Ray. One thing I did want to ask, because first of all, incredible information on that history of Leech Lake, Ray. I, I just got to salute you on that. Um, oh, thanks. I, I'm, I'm a history buff, you know, so oh, I, yeah. I eat that stuff up like you wouldn't believe. Uh, the one thing that that I thought when I first moved here that they had a problem with on Leech Lake was that cormorant problem. Um, yes. Is that pretty much gone now, or are they still a bit of an issue out there? You know, um, that where they actually uh, took care of the cormorants was on Pelican Island, and Pelican Island is about four miles north of where our cabin is, and they still have, well, they look like uh, deer hunting, um, the, the you know, the uh, fiberglass deer hunting things you put on stands. Mm-hmm. They have a couple of those still out on the Pelican Island. <coughs> But I haven't heard a lot of shooting the last couple of years. I'll have to, I'll check that out now. I'll ask that question because it's a joint effort between the Minnesota DNR, the Leech Lake Tribe, and the Feds. And um, I I don't know. I don't know if they uh, are still doing that or not. I I still see a lot of cormorants flying on Leech Lake. So I know they had a, a limited number that they were supposed to kill, 
And uh, I'll check that out. I don't really know. But I know that they still have the hunting facilities on the islands. But I just haven't heard a lot of shooting there the last couple summers. Yeah, because those things, they're eating machines, and they really cause some problems for walleye anglers out there for a few years. They really are. In fact, I have a cousin in North Carolina, and he said they actually had commercial catfish ponds that got wiped out by cormorants because they would sit there and catch those little catfish before they ever got a chance to grow up. Hmm. So they had to start hunting them there, too. Yeah. And they're just ghastly-looking pre- prehistoric things, too. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, they can dive pretty deep, and they're uh, very, very good hunters. Yep, no doubt. Well, some great stuff from Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League. Uh, Ray brings it every week, and uh, you can check him out at com as well as on uh, social media, too. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you next week, okay? All right. Sounds good. Hang on to your hat. <laughs> <laughs> More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And we uh, bring in a new member to uh, the Brainerd Outdoors show, and that would be Matt Brewer with North Country. I'm kidding. <laughs> Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. We haven't talked to Matt in quite a while, actually. He's been extremely busy uh, with things uh, up up north there around the Bemidji area. And uh, Matt, I, you know, talking to people down here, I mean, the lakes have been full all season long. Was it that way up by you, too? A lot more boats out on the water than you've seen in the past? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy busy from, it, it seemed like, the 4th of July weekend kind of, or right before that, kind of kicked things off where people really started getting out. And uh, and I think there were, like, record sales and fishing licenses. Um, and you you can tell. I mean, there's a lot of people out enjoying the water. You know, I think a lot of people are just doing less of what they used to, and, and they, they don't want to feel cooped up. So uh, fishing was their release, and... And it's been it's been busy, and I, uh, and fishing's have been good. So, and I think my theory is with COVID and everything like that. I think people are starting to rediscover the outdoors and how many things you can do out there. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I. I mean, even from small things like mushroom picking, like you know, that was a big thing back in the day. Um, anything sustainable was was really popular <laughs> and uh, we've kind of all gotten or gotten away from that and now a lot of people are rediscovering and it's not just for the food aspect it's for the uh, you know gets you outside gets you out doing something uh, you know I, I talked to a lot of people who talk about the, their covid weight they gained covid weight <laughs> and it got to a certain point in the summer where they're like i need to get out and do stuff and we see more people walking down our county road than I think we ever see, and uh, more people in the woods, more people on the water. It's just, uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, refinding the outdoors. Yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. We're going to talk a little bear hunting with you uh, and some of the other hunting things that are coming up, too. Let's start off, though, Matt, uh, talking fishing. You said it's been pretty good up there. Uh, We're starting to get into the early stages of the fall pattern now. Uh, Things pretty good up there? Yeah, the fish are kind of spread out, um, and I don't mean as a whole. Um, basically, you've got you've got some shallow fish you can still chase. So um, I've been pulling crankbaits 
on like mid lake rocks and sand um, out on the mid lake structure on windy days those fish will move up onto the you know six and a half to eight foot flats and and they're not very big flats it's just uh you know the smaller spots that you can you control crankbaits across and pick up a fish or two and then you've got fish hanging out on the transitions that are you know easily accessible with like a crawler or a leech or, or you can vertical jig wrap them or what have you but but you do have a lot of fish that have already started uh, to move toward that fall pattern and are sitting out deep you know like 28 feet or deeper um, some some fish coming out of as deep water as 38 to 42 feet and when fall kind of as it progresses here with the the forecast it, it might even be next week <laughs> but uh um you know then a lot of fish are going to move really deep and the, the bigger pods are going to be found out in that deeper water so we're starting to move that direction but a lot of trans transition still so you've still got options on how you want to target fish and is it pretty much an all-day thing uh or are we doing mornings and evenings mostly well for us it's always an all-day thing i mean we we don't really pick or choose the time so <laughs> so uh, we're finding the fish in the same areas you know toward evening as we are mid-morning midday uh, they're all just kind of doing their thing and this time of year they don't they don't really care about uh, they don't care so much about the sunlight and and light penetration as they do food that's all they're concerned with once uh, the temps start to drop so what about crappies up that way? Uh, are they starting to go? Because down here, they're still a little, we're not quite there yet, but up by you, same story? Yeah, not quite there yet. Um, fish are actually getting a little tougher to find. I mean, you can't just go into a cabbage bed and find big numbers anymore. Uh, fish are starting to spread out. Some are starting to suspend off those breaks. Um, I haven't checked like the deep water holes to see if they're suspending out there like they will late fall um we've just been mostly targeting walleyes so haven't got a chance chance to play around with them but on the days i have had family trips or jason's had family trips he's um seeing some of those fish just more spread out um, not not real big pods of them anywhere so and one other thing you've been doing to transition into hunting now uh matt is you're you know right in the throes of guiding for bear hunting and uh I've seen on Facebook a lot of hunters that have had a lot of success, um, and you this year, how's it been? I mean, has it been good? Has it been just kind of okay? Or I would say it's just been okay. Um, you know, we've been spoiled for like eight or nine years, um, running like 100% um, opportunity success rate, and this year things have just been really strange. Um I think we've had four or five bears um, in, sta- in stations out of six hunters, so it's, so it's okay. Um, we had a hunter last night that passed on a bear, and we had one on opening day that passed on a bear. Um, we had someone get down from their stand early because they got a little nervous, and the bear walked in like <laughs> three minutes after they got down. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's it's been an okay year. I think it you know had some different things happen like had the people uh, killed those bears into the past and had the younger hunters stayed in the stand um you know we we'd have a lot more bears on the ground so um a lot of it depends on on hunters and what they decide and and you know that's 
I guess what we're what we see, and we just haven't seen as many dead bears um, as we usually would this far into the season. You know, it's still fresh, but uh, but it's been a weird year from the start. Even baiting, um, you know, bears would show up and they'd hit heavy for three four days, and then they'd shift off, and then their pattern would change. There's a lot of natural food still in the woods. It's been wet. Um, I don't think I've ever scooped out bait stations as often as I have this year. You know, you'd bait and then that night it would absolutely pour for an hour and then your bait's saturated and, and it gets soggy and moldy if you don't get get it off to the side. So everything about this year has just been really weird for bear hunting and, and baiting and guiding for it. So, um, so I guess our success rate is, is kind of on par with how things have been going, but but we've got some bears on the ground, and uh, and people are seeing stuff, so it's been it's been okay. You know, and I I think you brought up the natural food thing too. I think it has a lot to do with it because uh, well, we were talking with uh, Ray Gildow last week, and he was talking about how I mean, there's there's been more nuisance bear reports around here uh, than ever before, and uh, he actually <laughs> was driving down the road, and one was just sitting right on its rear end, just picking away at choke cherries. You know, and, uh, you know, talking to Brent Beimert last week, too, uh, the white oaks are dropping their acorns left and right. So I'm sure that may play into it, too. Oh, huge. Like, if three days before the season, if we would have had hunters in the stands, everybody would have filled their tags. I mean, we had nice bears in nice and early. Um, but I'm not sure down there. But up here, the wind kicked up like the day before opener, and it has not stopped. um like right now it's like 17 mile an hour winds and when that happens the acorns are dropping like crazy and you know everything every animal doesn't move as much in the wind and and it's been acorns dropping on your head when you're baiting and acorns dropping on your head when you're walking around the house and I can't even walk out on my back deck to grill without putting the shoes on because the acorns are thick and wild plums are are going crazy this year. It was one of the best blueberry crops I've ever seen, and they're still I, I'm still seeing green blueberries out there um, at one of our stations. It's kind of on the edge of a blueberry patch, and there's still some green ones on the on the shrubs. So <laughs> there's there's plenty of food. Um, but I've heard from hunters and, and down like south of here and toward you, there's not nearly as much natural food and uh, hunters are having a lot more success like from basically like the park rapids area south um hunters are doing a lot better than we are up here and i've talked to uh, several of the guides in the area uh, you know within an hour or two of here and everyone's kind of going through the same thing that we are it's just not bears aren't dying for the food like they usually usually do so Natural food is definitely playing a role, and and weather is playing a huge role. So yeah, uh, we've got a couple other things that are opening up. Uh, we've got early goose uh, this weekend, Matt. That opens up, um, and then uh, grouse season, archery, small game. That's coming up on the nineteenth. Uh, I know you're a big grouse hunter. Uh, are you pretty fired up for that? I mean, numbers looking okay. Things you've heard. Yeah, numbers are looking good. From what I'm seeing in the woods, there's plenty of birds around, and and according to the surveys, everything looks good. So, 
I'm really excited for, for that. And I, you know, after not getting to really hunt last fall, um, I kind of want to make up for it this year. So <laughs> I'll be bird hunting a lot. Um, and I, I was actually drawn for a prairie chicken after five years applying for one of the better zones in the state. And I'm really excited for that at the end of the month, you know, get out and, and get something you don't get to hunt very often, you know. Uh, after waiting for five years, I'm ready to put my hands on a prairie chicken again. So that's exciting. And I, I might even make a trip out to like Montana or something and go, or Wyoming and go chase some sage grouse. I, I really want to take advantage of this fall and make it a good one. So, yeah, that's going to be, uh, I think a lot of people are, are doing that right now. And boy, that Montana, Wyoming thing sounds pretty interesting. If you're looking for a partner, yeah. let me know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's fall is a fun time and we've got so much stuff to do and, um, I, it's my favorite time of the year and, and I think it's going to be, going to be a fun fall. I, at least I hope we have one. We don't go right from like two weeks of fall into winter. Yeah, for sure. I would love a long extended fall this year. Um, uh, we haven't had one in what seems like a while. So. Yeah. So we'll see. It's Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check him out at northcountryguides.com. He's all over social media, posts a lot of really cool stuff. So if you want to check him out there, uh, do that as well. I appreciate it, Matt. Uh, We will chat uh, more often here in the future, and especially going into fall, because as busy as you're going to be, you're going to be quite an asset on the show here. So I appreciate it, buddy. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, good talking to you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we head out to Mille Lacs. Get the story out there, as we always do, from Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service. And Steve, uh, we're getting into some cooler nights now, some cooler water temps. Uh, how's that affecting things out there on Mille Lacs? Great question, Brian. Right now, it's affecting everything pretty good. A lot of positive and having a lot of action from the muskies and some really big pike are starting to go. In the last week and a half, I had five trips. Uh, well, it was more than five trips, but five trips back to back. Only one did not produce an ice pike or a muskie, you know, going. I'm right now fishing with Philip Day from Brainerd, Nisswa area. Philip and I have become pretty good friends over the years, and he's been a very lucky angler. He's had one muskie hit today. He had another one follow so far, and he got a really nice big pike, probably in the higher teens. So right now, things are going pretty good. I'm really happy about that. A lot of strong wind happening right now, but you know what? It helped to cool down the lake. I'll take that any day. For sure. And so we're getting into kind of the prime time of muskie season now, Steve. Between here and right around deer season is when things uh, really start to pick up now that we're into September. Um, What do you want to throw at them right now? You know, right now, anything and everything, including the kitchen sink. If I had to make a lure, I'd call it the kitchen sink, so I could say I threw everything at them, including the kitchen sink. But, yeah, it's been uh, crankbaits. It's been spinnerbaits, Brian. It's been uh, rubber like the medusas, uh, the small um, uh, bulldogs have been doing pretty good. Medusas have been doing better. Spinnerbaits like the Rad Dog has been doing pretty good. Inline Bucktails, Big Two Tackle Company has been doing real well, as so has the Fidelity Muskie Candy. And the Double Eights from Muskie Mayhem have been doing real well. 
So this is something to consider. It's just about anything and everything. One thing I'm having all my people do, and I know some people have a hard time understanding this, I've been having everybody let their lures sink a few seconds, get them down in the strike zone, get them closer to the fish, the muskies, and the big pike, and it's been producing, you know. So why change a good thing? That's for sure. And as far as the pike go, Steve, this is, we're starting to get into sucker minnow season. Uh, are they getting a little hard to come by? Because I've heard rumors that uh, the sucker minnows are, are a little tough to come by at some of the bait shops. What around Mille Lacs? You know, it's been tough to find them, too, around Mille Lacs. Like, the problem is when we had that excessive heat, Brian, the third week of June, it, the water temperature here went well above 80, 81 degrees. And that put a lot of stress on these uh, bait shop ponds. A lot of the minnows died. A lot of the minnows went deep, hard to come by. Same with the leeches. They really had a hard time finding the leeches. So I'm sure we're going to have more of a challenge than we've had in the past trying to find decent-sized sucker minnows for pike fishing. This time of year, I like to use anything from 9 inches to 12 inches long. And I tell you what, unless you have an order in, good luck trying to get them as soon as they come in because most people haven't picked already. So if people can't get a hole of sucker minnows, what's another tactic to uh, get into the pike? Another thing is, you know, start throwing more imitations that would go with the minnow. Any kind of uh, crankbait that imitates a sucker minnow has a color to it, like a red horse sucker or a white sucker, you know, usually is pretty good. Um, rubber, plastics and rubber has been doing real well. Anything that looks like a sucker minnow or a shiner minnow has been doing quite well. You know, your giant shad wraps in the shiner pattern is usually pretty good. Or in the, if you can find them, they're hard to come by, the... Um, uh, Wonder Bread pattern has been productive as well. But, yeah, if you can't find the minnows, folks, stick with spinner baits and stick with crank baits. Anything that looks like a minnow is going to increase your odds than something that doesn't. Walleye anglers still doing okay out there? Walleye anglers are doing all right. It's hard to go figure, you know, with the way things have been, but the guys and the gals who are fishing for walleyes have been doing okay. We're not going gangbusters. You know, I've been saying that for a couple of weeks, but everything's been doing okay. You know, the shallow water bite early in the morning, late in the evening has been really well. So has a midday bite, you know, out there on the secondary humps. You know, anything from 18 to 26 feet of water. Look at your sonar. You'll see them laying there. Go after them with a lindy rig and crawler. Go after them with a lindy rig and a leech. Or use a bottom bouncer. Again, remember when you're deep water fishing, folks, for walleyes with bottom bouncers or with lindy rigs, touch bottom and barely lift up. You're not dragging that thing 40, 50, 60 feet behind the boat. Deep water fishing, you're right below the boat, you lift up three inches and enjoy all the fish you're going to catch. And, you know, you can always pick up some perch uh, doing, you know, when you're walleye fishing as well. Uh, we're getting into, you know, I, we were talking with Ray last week. He's really getting excited about uh, fall fishing for perch up on leech. Uh, Mille Lacs is not what it used to be for perch, Steve, but at the same time, not really a bad place to go if you want to get into some decent-sized perch. You just got to sift through them, right? Exactly. You know, uh, later on in September when the water temperature gets more in the 60s, your shallow water perch bite will start anywhere where you can find cabbage weeds and bulrushes combined with sand gravel has been always productive. Uh, crappie minnows has always been a good one for tying into the perch, as well as small little jigs that you use in the wintertime for ice fishing. And don't be afraid to go with waxworms. Stuff like that, too, has been very productive for the perch. Also, this time of year, you know, middle of September or end of September, when the water temperature goes down for perch, I like going back in the middle of the bays. We used to kill the perch years ago in the middle of Cove Bay. It was phenomenal. Whether it was September or middle of the ice, it was a great bite always. So something to consider, folks. There's plenty of perch. 
hard to find the big ones that we're used to. You know, they, they get targeted, too, in the springtime with the walleyes, but uh, still plenty to have fun and to feed your family. One last thing. I ask you this practically every week, and you always say we're not quite there yet, but the crappie bite on Mille Lacs. I always tell people don't sleep on that because there are some nice crappies in Mille Lacs. Are they starting to go, or are we still, quote-unquote, not quite there yet? Quote, unquote, my friend, not quite there yet. Yes, you are absolutely correct. There is big crappies on the Lacs Lake. In our group, we've been keeping it quiet. We've taken crappies up to 17 inches. The big ones in our group have to go back. But, no, they haven't started quite yet. And when they do, it's going to go quick. It's going to go fast. You may have anywhere from a few days to a week and a half, two weeks of a great, fantastic crappie bite. But it will happen on the Lacs Lake. You've got a lot of places to fish. You've got the crappie hole in Isle Bay. Walk-On Bay offers some fantastic crappie fishing as well as Max Twin Bays. And honest with you, Brian, just about anywhere where you're going to find uh, weeds with some deep structure to it, you're going to find the crappies. So, yeah, hang in there. Keep your fingers crossed. It's going to happen sooner than later. But I'm looking more towards the end of uh, September, the way things have been going. All right. That's uh, Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at predatorguideservice.com. I appreciate it, Steve. I'll let you get back to fishing out there. And, uh... We'll check in next week, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. And that'll put a wrap on this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. You can also stream us live if you're away from your radio at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com and Today'sBestCountry.com. And we're all over the podcast network, so wherever you download your favorite podcast, just search Brainerd Outdoors. You will find us. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, Live Axe Marine in Isle, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.